You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Then welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. All right, Charlie, we talked about it last week. Actually, talked about it on Sunday with our Sunday coffee from Lake Tiacata. Well, we were talking about, hey, we don't play football this week, so now we can talk about everybody else. We can make fun of everybody else this week. Who are we going to be making fun of on Sunday? Yeah, I don't know. Look at the league this week. And you see who's playing. There's only 10 teams playing. There are four teams that are off. We're off. Alabama's off. LSU is off. Vanderbilt, well, three teams and 3.2 teams are off this weekend. So Arkansas and Auburn plays the first game. That's the 11 a.m. game. Man, we talked about this the other day. What if Arkansas rolls in down at Auburn? Does Auburn have the, the same coaching staff come to start well, next week? Do they decide we're going to save the money and finish the year out? Boy, that, that whole thing, and again, you just still don't know who the leader is. No, not at well, all. Well, no, that's not true. You know who the leader is at Auburn. It's it's a booster or two. There's so <laughs> much dysfunction there when it comes to leadership. So uh, that game interests me, and the, the night game, the Texas A&M-Ole Miss game interests me. I think Ole Miss is a better football team, but they're playing on the road. You know this is the first home game Texas A&M is playing in league play? Since Miami, this is the first time they've played a home game since they played Miami, and it's the first conference home game at all. Game at all. That's a crazy schedule. It's a weird schedule. Kentucky at Tennessee, Missouri at South Carolina. Beamer's got that team playing well. They're five and two. Florida, Georgia. I mean, that's that should be a bloodletting down in Jacksonville. Hey, we needed an off week. This is this is the perfect time for us. You mean you and me or the team or both? I think everybody involved. I needed one. Yes, we just needed that Saturday. And I I don't even have anything planned. Last year we went out west and went to to Air Force and Wyoming football game. This year we're staying at home. We're not even going going on a trip in the off week this year. So let me tell you what I did last night, Bart. I started reading about baseball. Really? Yes, I'm like way ahead of myself. College baseball, pro baseball, baseball? Well, I got into baseball theory. Uh Uh-oh. And so here was – and that's not because I'm done with football. Don't get me wrong. I just needed a break from thinking about football. And I've been thinking about basketball a little bit. But I started last night, and I, I saw something on Twitter. And this – I don't know if you're like me, but if I see something, it could hijack my next hour. Not just an hour, the entire night. Then I'm going down Wikipedia and Google and YouTube for the next four hours. So I spent probably an hour and a half on this question. What is the pivotal pitch count in baseball? 1-1. One, one. Yes. That's what I satisf- that's what I settled on. And there was some argument. Here's what I found. Everybody talks about the most important thing is strike one. But I got to digging into the baseball numbers. The difference in batting average between an 0 count and an 0-1 count is negligible. It's almost no difference. Right. The difference in 1-0, and 0-1, there's not much. 
But there is a dramatic difference in batting average between a 2-1 count and a 1-2 count. So if I've a pitcher and I've got a 1-1 count, this statistically, I think you could argue, is the most important pitch of an at-bat. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because if you're a 2-1, that quote-unquote strikeout pitch you have as a pitcher doesn't come into play as much. If you got the 1-2 and you got Jacob Lingering out there, let me tell you what Lingering is throwing on 1-2. Well, and the beauty of it is now you got 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. And you can you've got now you've got multiple chances in and out. And so the batting averages for hitters, if you ever hit that one two count, plummet as opposed to one two and one. The other thing though was although there's not much penalty necessarily for going O and one, you were still better off swinging at strikes. Dad gum you Charlie in accounts. Dad gum you. Now you know what you've done? You've got that in my head now. And now you have hijacked my day. So I spent two hours probably just playing and reading and doing math on the batting averages and how much the swing percentage, and not just batting average, but getting into OPS by count. And so that hijacked my night. But so then I thought, well, hey, we're going to be talking basketball. And so I said, you know, what's the equivalent? What is the stat in basketball that we ought to be looking at? We used to look at shooting percentage. Well, no, I take that back. First thing you look at is who scored the most. Right. But I got to thinking, you know, Allen Iverson used to score a ton. He was going to get his 36. Yeah, but he shot 30% from the field. Yeah, the question is if it took him 50 shots to do it or 30. He was 11 for 35 every night. It was phenomenal. <laughs> so Volume shooter. So then you got to thinking there's this thing now called your effective shooting percentage. So now what we do is we basically give you a, a little bump to your percentage when you're taking three-pointers. The idea being, if you shoot 50% from three, that's better than shooting 60% from two. Yeah, massively. Right, and so you try, to, you try to do there. And so then I got into true shooting percentage, which dealt with not just your shooting percentage from two and three and weighted according to shot selection, your ability to get to the free throw line. And basically it's a, a points per You know what's attempt. the most impressive thing that you have told me this entire thing is you did all this in an hour. I mean, literally. Well, if I start going down a rabbit hole, I'm staying down that rabbit hole for a while. It probably got closer to two or three because I also, I'm one of these guys that wakes up at around four and I'm awake for an hour. Then you're going back to sleep. And I started back with the. Then you can't get up. The baseball numbers. But then I couldn't get my head around the true shooting percentage calculation because it was bothering me how they weighted free throws. And so then I got into how Ken Palm, if you go to KenPalm.net, they calculate it differently than the NBA. It's a mess. So all that is to say, we're going to have to do some research on just kind of the deep analytics of basketball. But Ken Palm is completely different than Jerry Palm. They're not even related. Well, I think one's Palm and one is Palm. P-A-L-P-O-M. And, hey, uh, we, we talked about this week, this being an off week, and so Charlie and I have, have started to uh, have the thought process of diving into basketball a little bit. We, we have made it a note on this show, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, over the last couple of years that we don't talk basketball, even though – I love basketball. I love watching basketball, especially as a kid coming to the hump. To me, in 1991 to 1997, 6, 7 in there, 
man, it was awesome. Then in the early 2000s with Mario Austin and all these Stansbury teams that were in that three- or four-year run, Brandon Vincent, man, I, ju- I was just a big basketball guy. So we're going to talk a little bit more basketball. What's your favorite? If you could go watch a Mississippi State from the past in our lifetimes, I have some ruling out the Babe McCarthy years, but if you could go watch one team play again, who would you want to go see? Man, so I don't know if it's um, – I thought the Michael Goler, the Mario Austin, I was a big Timmy Bowers fan, huge Timmy Bowers fan, Derek Zimmerman fan. Those guys, I loved watching play basketball, loved it. But I tell you this, man, Daryl Wilson will always be my favorite player because Daryl Wilson, if you needed a shot, he hit the shot. Daryl Wilson, if you needed a free throw with a minute, if teams started fouling you trying to catch up with a minute and a half to go and you needed free throws, Daryl Wilson never missed those free throws. You know what I'm saying? Russell Walter setting a pick at half court. I mean, to me, there's just, I'd hate to pick just one team because there are so many guys that have so many just vibrant memories. The 2004 team was really special. It was. One that was special for me, though, was the the run through the late 80s into 91. And what was special to me about that was you brought in guys like Doug Hartsfield and Cameron Burns. Tony Watts. Tony Watts, Brad Smith. You had uh, Greg Carter. You looked at that team, Todd Merritt. Uh, It's that team that they were terrible. I remember Dick Vitale had a great line when that group was all freshmen, you know, back when you got the preview magazines, now nobody buys those, although they still sell them. So I I bought my Dick Vitale college basketball preview, and it said that it was doing the preview on Mississippi State and said if Richard Williams wins seven games with this team, he should be coach of the year. And that (laughs) wasn't like seven league games. That was seven games. But those guys played together, and then four years later, Beat LSU here at home, get a share of the SEC championship. Now we went on to where was John, Eastern Michigan. Where was John Calipari during that time frame in the late 1980s? It was at UMass, wasn't he? Was he at UMass already? I'm, I'm just thinking of the Dick Vitale. If he wrote a book, half of it was going to be on John on Calipari. Calipari, and the other half is going to be on Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, that's – I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all fair. Um, <laughs> so those teams were were really fun to watch. But there was a lot of there's been a lot of good basketball played here. It just hadn't been we just lost. I was I saw the other day on Twitter somebody had a video, one of these, um, and apologies to whoever it was because I'm forgetting, but there are a few Twitter sites that post highlights and there was a clip of Jamont Gordon making a pass to Charles Rhodes for a dunk. The Coliseum was going insane. Yeah. Incredible. And I remember how bad I mean, Wednesday nights it was just – it was an accepted fact that I was going to be at that basketball game. Saturday afternoons, it was just a fact I was going to be. And I miss feeling that way. And I'm hoping – because I haven't had it in a decade. And I'm hoping – and I actually believe now that I'm getting it back. I'm excited about basketball for the first time in a long time. I don't want to get into the weeds too much as far as what we see behind the scenes. Because, man, I love going to basketball practice now. I'm telling you, what Chris Jans does at basketball practice is really cool to watch. And, man, let me t- – I, I just tell you, man, it's what he – the way that he works those guys and the way that they respond to him is is just 
it's cool. And I just think back to the way that Richard Williams kind of handled those teams of the 90s, the early 90s and mid-90s. It kind of rem- reminds you a little bit, a bit of, of old-school basketball. So let me ask you this. Do you think, because I'm excited about basketball, am I getting my hopes up too much? And let me give you the best comparison I know. You know, when Ben Howland came in, we had Malik Newman coming. And I admit, I got a little bit too excited. And then when I saw us play, what I saw didn't match my expectations and my hopes. And I kind of just was of a mindset of, eh, I don't care. Are we setting ourselves up for not understanding that Christian's, look, this is still year one. There's a lot that's got to change. He's got to get some players. Are we getting ahead of ourselves too much? Well, you get too much buy-in. I mean, you, you, buy, you buy in too much of, of what the thought process could be. Is this going to equate to a massive run to the NCAA tournament this year? I don't know. I mean, are we going to be a top two, three team in the, in the SEC this year? I'm not sure that's going to be a tall task. But I think what, what you're going to see when you come to the arena and the style of play, and I'm just I'm not talking about offense and up and down the floor and scoring, and a lot of folks want to see that style of play. I want to see a team that just gets after it. I want to see a team that plays hard. All right, so Chris Jans last year to that point, I've talked to a lot of people who think, man, we're going to be much more up-tempo. We're going to be much more aggressive. Look what he did in round two in the NCAA tournament last year to give himself a chance to win against Arkansas. 53-48. I mean, that's almost Bob Boyd-level scoring in a basketball game right there. But I'll tell you this, from a fan standpoint, and I know you want to see you ripping and roaring up and down the floor sometimes, but to me it's like a one one nothing baseball game or 2-1 baseball game. The purists and the people who enjoy the sport a lot are sitting there saying, this is drama at its highest level. Every possession means something. Yeah, and I want to be clear, that wasn't a shot when no. I was talking about Bob Boyd. The point of it for me being this is a guy who I think will play whatever he has to play to give himself the best chance to win. And if that's getting up and down the floor, I expect him to do it. If that's pressing, I expect him to do it. But if it's packing it in and slowing it down, (laughs) I think he'll do that too. One of the things that's been really strange to me over the years, we have built marketing campaigns around styles of play. When Dan Mullen was hired. Spread the fun. Spread the fun was on our posters. I mean, we were marketing on our schedules, based on a style of offense, I don't really care as much about the style. But I wonder if, if we've gotten this idea that's out there, just from people I talk to, that we're now going to have this new style. It's going to be liberated. It's gonna, I mean, this is going to be Nate Oates. We're not going to be scoring 100 points a game. No, we're not going to roll the ball out there and say go. I just don't see that happening with us. No, I don't. But I see this team being competitive. Here's my question for you. If I made you guess right now, in or out of the tournament? Hmm, let me think about it as I tell you that we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. And, uh, of course, each and every week here on Out of Left Field, we're brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, they're expanding the butcher shop. And just the place to go 
all across the state. If you're traveling through Florence, Mississippi on Highway 49, which, by the way, does not have any more construction cones on it. It's the first time in my lifetime that's happened. You can stop through the butcher shop, pick up a lot of that country-pleasing sausage, pick up some stuff for your tailgate or just your outdoor patio. And so our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage, we promote it because that's what we eat, Country Pleasing Sausage. In or out of the tournament, that's such a fine line. Uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Goodman today. Jeff Goodman, who has been a basketball insider for a long time. He writes for Stadium right now. He has a really popular basketball podcast. When you start looking around basketball, it's so different than football because you have so many different leagues and so many different teams. You know, Gonzaga is not a factor in football for the obvious reasons, but they're a factor in basketball. Houston is a factor in basketball. Memphis is a factor in basketball. And so it's just a it's a deeper pool that you got to wade in. So getting to the NCAA tournaments from first year, Chris Jans, I'm right there at the thin line, Charlie. You could be taught me. You could talk me into both ways here. Is that a good non-answer? No, I think it's a fair answer. I, I guess we just don't know, but I, I am willing to buy in. I'm willing to buy into this program, and I haven't been for a while. Maybe that's a reflection on me, but I am. I'm excited about what we've got coming. And so let's go to the phone and talk to basketball insider Jeff Goodman. And hey, Jeff, appreciate you joining us today. Of course, of course. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. The, one of the things we wanted to talk about is, you know, Mississippi State fans were really big into basketball. You think about the 1990s and into 2000, Rick Stansberry, and, you know, had, had some glimmers of hope under Ben Howland as well. But as far as getting reintroduced with basketball, and Chris Jans has come in here and created a kind of a firestorm with fans Overall, the health of basketball right now. You know, Charlie and I sometimes we talk about the good old day syndrome when basketball was really good. How, what about the what about the health of basketball right now? How good is the product of college basketball? I mean, it's certainly different, right? I mean, obviously you have the the transfer portal now and NIL that changes uh, the game. And and I say like you know even a guy like like Mike Woodson, right, is a good example. You know, 63, 64 years old, comes into college basketball without any uh, experience coaching in college. But he's got two things that matter, NIL at Indiana, and he can sell the NBA to these kids. And those are the two things that these kids want more than anything else. So uh, he's going to get players. And unless you have NIL these days, you're not beating some of the big boys, right? There's a lot of SEC schools right now. A lot of Big 12 schools that have a lot of money right now, uh, NIL-wise, and that's just the reality. Jeff, you bring up NIL, and that's an interesting point because it's obviously a large discussion around Mississippi State and every college campus right now. A lot of the people I talk to say, man, these stories aren't real. These guys aren't really getting that kind of money. You know what's going on. How, how significant is the impact of NIL, and how significant are the dollars at play? I mean, some of them are obviously inflated by the kids or even by coaches. You know, you don't see a lot of schools putting it out publicly. You know, the one in basketball that we've seen is a kid, Nigel Pack, down in Miami with John Ruiz, the, the booster down there, giving him 400 grand a year, coming from Kansas State, where, frankly, you know, his coach got fired uh, last year at Kansas State. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like some of the best uh, in basketball, some of these best big men, that came back that weren't going to be NBA players, 
are making, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of a million dollars, the Hunter Dickinson's, the Trace Jackson Davis's, certainly Oscar Shebway from Kentucky's making an excess of that. Um, but a lot of these other guys are making, you know, minimal money. A lot of the teams are, are trying to, some of these high major teams are trying to pay every kid a certain amount, you know, whether it's 25000 50000 from 1 to 13, and then saying, you know what, beyond that, you get what you're worth beyond that. Go get it. And, and, and that way they're kind of taking themselves off the hook. Hey, you just hit on one other thing that I think is interesting. You, you talk about big men coming back. You know, the thing that you always hear is that at the end of the year, guard play really matters. Where's the balance of power right now in college basketball? Are we guard heavy? Are we big man heavy? What, what do you like and see around college basketball? What is it you need to win? I mean, this year, there's a lot of good bigs, and there's going to continue to be a lot of good bigs because those guys, the traditional bigs, really uh, are far more valuable in college than they are the NBA. So, again, guys like Oscar Sheboy, Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis, Drew Timmy, all those guys are coming back, frankly, because they can make more money with NIL than they can trying to latch on to an NBA team or play in the G League for you know four hundred grand a year. Uh, so I, I think that's changed the game where the best returning players are bigs and traditional bigs. However, I still feel like, and, and we saw it, you know, even last couple of years, right? Kofi Coburn in Illinois um, can't really guard. Uh, ball screens, and that's what everybody's you know playing these days. Uh, you saw Oscar Seaway in Kentucky lose to St. Peter's. They spread them out. They played small against them. So I feel like in the NCAA tournament, it is hard for these bigs to match up with some of these teams that can spread them out. Talking to Jeff Goodman. Jeff, you just mentioned a moment ago about, about Kentucky losing to St. Peter's, and you look at some of these teams that lose in the NCAA tournament. You know, in football, everybody talks about power five. You got power five than everybody else. In basketball, how many conferences do you say? Is it a power seven? Is it a power eight? Is it a power ten? I mean, you don't talk about the AAC in football, but you can sure talk about the AAC in basketball. A few teams teams, right? There's still six high-powered leagues. And then I include the Big East for basketball, obviously. After that, there's about four other leagues that I would say have a couple teams that are high major. The American Athletic, like you said, you know, certainly has Houston. Uh, Memphis, you know, Cincinnati, they're obviously leaving the league, a couple of those teams. So, you know, the, the WCC, you know, obviously you got to put Gonzaga, BYU, even St. Mary's that doesn't have the budget in there, the A-10, you know, Dayton, VCU, St. Louis is really, really good this year. And then the other one's the Mountain West, San Diego State. They got some other teams. Boise State's been good. So those four are like next-tier leagues. But, again, Gonzaga, they belong with everybody, like in terms of budget, resources, obviously what they've done over the last 10, 15 years. You know, I know people will like to take shots at them because they don't play a great knockout five great league schedule, but Mark Few can't control that, and he plays a great non-conference schedule. Jeff, along those lines, when you get to the NCAA tournament, and so much talk in the last month has been about expanding the NCAA tournament. I'm kind of one of these old purists, man. I, I loved it at 64. Don't even get me to 68. Yeah. But as far as you know, the, you have conference commissioners coming out saying we need to expand it, you have a lot of people in the media and basketball purists saying, hey, let's keep it where it is. What do you think the chances of this actually happening? Do you think it's a 10% chance? you say it's 50% or is this something that's really going to happen? 
I think it's going to happen at some point. I don't know when, but Greg Sankey's certainly leading the charge. Uh, and yes, I'm with you. I loved it at 64. I think that made it kind of an exclusive deal. But, you know, listen, they're all trying to get more money, right? And and all these, they, they understand the more bids you put out there, the more opportunities those big leagues, the SEC and the and Big 12 and all those uh, bigger leagues are going to get more, more teams in. And it's just going to mean more money for those bigger leagues. So uh, I think that's why it's going to happen ultimately because people with control, the people with power uh, are pushing for it. But ultimately, I think it's bad for, for, for the game and for the NCAA tournament, which, you know, the, the hardest part to have is everybody's like tries to equate it to, to college football in these bowls, right? Everybody, the percentages that, you know, coaches use for college basketball, they say, well, I don't know. I don't even know what the percentage is, but it's much higher, obviously, to go to a bowl game in, in college football than go to the NCAA tournament in college basketball. Well, does that mean it's good, number one? Like all these bowl games, most of them, the only people that care are gamblers for most of these bowl games. So I, I don't know. I feel like the NCAA tournament, at least all of those 68 teams have a chance to win the whole thing. Well, how many of those bowl games matter? Two of them yeah. right now? There's not many. Jeff, kind of transitioning closer to home for us. Uh, we're here in the heart of the Southeastern Conference. And, you know, I think back as a kid watching Charles Barkley, Dominique Wilkins, obviously, you know, uh, Chris Jackson, you know, there's so many guys, Shaquille, you know, who came through this league that it was just an absolute joy to go watch college basketball. And then in the SEC, you know, back, what, 2016, only got three teams in the NCAA tournament. It feels like, just looking at it, though, around the league, schools are putting more into college basketball all of a sudden. You start to look at the list of coaches, it seems to get better. Where do you see the health of the SEC as a league? Yeah, you can thank the the late great Mike Slide for that because he he was the one who really. I remember Billy Donovan telling me years ago. Uh, he called Billy after they won the, the back to back championships at Florida, and he told Billy, "He's like, you got to play a better schedule. Like we we got to ramp up your schedule in the non conference." Uh, and then he implored all these uh, schools to make big time coaching hires and really invest in college basketball, and they did. You know, you got Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Uh, you got Eric Musselman out of Arkansas. Greg Byrne made a great hire with Nate Oates at, at, at Alabama. You know, Florida just hires Todd Goldman. You know, obviously we saw what Barnhart did with Calipari years ago. So I, I think they've they've made the investment right now, and and again, it's paid off for the most part for the league overall. It's much healthier. I mean, they've they've done a great job of again, especially like the Alabama, Arkansas, Auburns. Those three have made themselves nationally relevant every year now. And you look at some of the, the talent that all three of them bring in. And again, NIL helps now, but they were all doing it before NIL existed. And, you know, Arkansas, Musselman's got like 11 new guys. Nick Smith, one of the top freshmen in the country. He'll be a lottery pick being one of them. Uh, Alabama's got a kid named Brandon Miller, who I think will be a lottery pick as well. He's about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, skilled forward. Uh, Auburn brought in a couple more really good freshmen this year. Ty Goldman's going to get it going to Florida, I think. You will see what Mike White does going from Florida to Georgia. So I think there's a lot right now to be excited about if you're an SEC uh, hoops fan. And when you look at the SEC, in the, in the NCAA tournament last year, you know, Alabama lost first round to Notre Dame. 
Then you had LSU without Will Wade losing first round to Iowa State. Tennessee losing in the second round to, to Michigan. Auburn went out early. Then Kentucky went out in the first round. You know, Arkansas was the, really the team last year that got deep in the tournament, and they've done it back-to-back years under Eric Musselman. But to get into the Sweet 16, they had to beat New Mexico State. They did it by 553-48, and it was a guy by the name of Chris Jans out of New Mexico State. When you heard of the hire of Chris Jans at a Power 5 at Mississippi State, what were your first thoughts? Home run, Grand Slam, all of it. I was there for Jans' two tournament games uh, last year in person. Uh, I've known him a long time. He, he's perfect. He's perfect because he's a grinder, you know. And, and and I really think in order to be successful at, Miss, at a place like Mississippi State, where you're probably not going to have the NIL right now, maybe you have it eventually to go up against the Alabamas, Arkansas, Auburns, Kentuckys. You're not beating Kentucky for players. You, you you better be able to do it in a variety of ways, and you better go to, be able to go the JUCO route. You better be able to develop players and get them to play harder than everybody else. Uh, James is used to that. That's kind of what he's been about his whole career. So I think it fits him well. Uh, he's a fighter. Uh, I think they need that at Mississippi State, a guy that will go out in the community. Ben Hallam was never going to be that. You know, Ben Hallam was a good ball coach, but he, he never did anything in the community, not at UCLA, not at Mississippi State. That just wasn't his M.O., um, and the way it's changed now, you have to be a little bit of a salesman for your program, and, and James will do that as well. Somebody was asking me about Chris Jans and style of play, and I, I kind of thought of it this way. If if I sent you a stat sheet for a Mississippi State basketball game and just blocked out the score, what's the first thing you want to see on a Chris Jans stat sheet to know if the game went his way? Rebounding, rebounding advantage and probably um, – you know, probably turnovers too, forcing turnovers, not committing as many, but rebounding, toughness. That's what Kansas teams are going to be based on. You know, you saw it last year. Uh, they'll they'll play a fun style, no doubt. Uh, but again, I think it's got to be you. You got to play harder. You got to out tough everybody else uh, in the league, which is not easy to do because I mean, look at what you know Bruce Pearl's built his program on, right? Musselman. I mean, they play hard. A lot of the teams in, in the SEC, that's kind of what they built their uh, their foundation on. So I, I think, you know, again, I, I think he's got to go different routes to get players, develop them, retain them. Retention is going to be huge at Mississippi State because a lot of these other programs are one-and-done places, so you better be old. That's what he was at New Mexico State. You had Teddy Allen, who was his best player, was in about his 10th year of, of of college basketball, you're going to have to be older. Hey, Jeff, before we let you go, if you were just looking around college basketball right now and saying, hey, here's my one or two SEC teams that I think can make a run to the Final Four this year, who's the smart bet? Uh, you know, Arkansas is a little too young for me. That scares me. And, and just too many new faces, they're going to have the talent. Um, you know, you, you'd think Kentucky – You'd think they're certainly going to be a team that, that, again, bounces back. But I'll tell you what, is there going to be anybody as tight, maybe ever, in college basketball history than John Calipari going into that first-round game, whoever he plays? You know, after not getting in the tournament two years ago, losing to St. Peter's last year, if they lose that game this year, you could make a valid case that he will be run out of Lexington. He will be run out like he should be scared to go back to Lexington, Kentucky. Well, he won't have the NIL excuse there. 
uh, lack of resources will not be our excuse <laughs> at Kentucky. That's for sure. Very true. Hey, Jeff, appreciate you, man. Always great insight. And, uh, hey, basketball's here, man. Fun time of year. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Hey, appreciate it, Jeff. Man, hey, Charlie, that's good stuff from Jeff Goodman. Jeff Goodman writing for Stadium Now. I mean, hey, this guy's been an insider for a while now. ESPN, and he's been around the block, CBS, but now with the stadium. And if, if anybody knows college basketball, it's Jeff Goodman. You know what we didn't get to talk about that I wanted to? I wanted to ask him where we are in the scandal of college basketball that existed a few yeah. years ago, whether it's all done, whether it's behind us. I will say this. Now, obviously, there will be significant personal ramifications for people involved, be it through a show cause, be it through more significant legal troubles. But the one thing I don't believe we are going to see is the devastating effects of probation on programs that you used to see because you can buy your way out of it. Think about it, and I'm using football for context here. Think about how big a deal it used to be to lose five scholarships for two years. That was a big deal. And you couldn't recover. Now, in the NIL world, your guys don't even need scholarships. No. Well, the question I have, and, and one of the things, and I saw where Steve wrote on this just this morning, uh, Steve Robertson, our good friend. And, you know, and host. And host. And, and you know, one of the things he was talking about, our team's going to get away with the early on NIL stuff. Now, the the NIL legislation, I don't guess it's legislation, but they have pretty much just kind of a set in stone. Here are some guidelines that the NCAA released earlier this week. And so you just kind of wonder if these teams that we said early on, like your Miamis of the world, are these guys really going to get in trouble? Or is this something that's just going to be – cast aside and say okay now we're all starting anew i think it's really difficult to go back and say we're creating these rules and you better not have violated them before we created them and that's kind of what they've been doing they've been styling these like as clarifications and that you better not have been violating these but recognizing that everybody is you know there were some significant changes that came out this week with nil and it's going to be really interesting to me to see how it shakes out. Clemson had come out and said they were building a 12,000-square-foot branding facility. They're building a new building for players to be able to go in and do NIL work, make money. And now, under the rules, can't do that. Now, there are some things you can very clearly do now that you couldn't. Schools now, how about this? And what do you think's taking place at Kentucky? We talked about Kentucky and NIL a little bit with Jeff Goodman. It is now categorically permissible for schools to go out and to say to donors, we are asking you to give money to this NIL entity. How many fundraisers do you think Kentucky basketball is going to have on the road? <laughs> Saying, forget the big blue club or whatever they are. You know, you think Mark Stoops really didn't like Kentucky basketball? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just wait till right now. Hey, one of the things that was released in the past week when we're on the basketball mode, and, of course, uh, we're brought to you by Trax Plus. Trax Plus with five locations now before I get into this basketball deal. Trax Plus, you got the Saney excavators and mini excavators. You have the Rayco, Barco equipment for the Foresters. Uh, Chris Williams and his, his folks, man, they continue to grow as a company. You can rent the equipment, a large selection of used equipment as well, new and used equipment at the five locations. Of course, uh, 
Massey Ferguson tractors and implements at all the locations other than Starkville and Columbus. And of course, the locations are Hickory, Starkville, Columbus, Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria, Louisiana, and now in Bessemer, Alabama on I-459. And so Trax Plus, our good friends at Trax Plus, hey, we're adding a basketball game in Jackson December the 14th against Jackson State. 6.30 start time, yeah, which six, I kind of like. 6.30 start. If I had my way, we would play basketball games at 6 or 6.30. Yeah, I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think the 6.30 is almost like the honey hole. And I, I don't like playing at the half hour, but 6.30 is okay to me because it's a little early if you pl- say, hey, we're going to play at 6. And then in the back of your mind, if I live an hour and a half away, man, i got to get off work early. But that 7 o'clock, hey, we're going to play at 7. It's going to be over at 9. That's going to put me back real late. 6.30 just kind of makes you think differently. I'm a big, even locally, it's yes. just tough to get home. I'm an old man now. I like my sleep. Well, and I mean, so what's 6.30 the, just gives me a little head start towards getting home. Well, because I think of, and this is really going down the rabbit hole, I think for if you have you know kids, I think in the back of your mind you say bedtime is around 9 o'clock. Am I wrong for saying that? No, I think that's fair. Say 9 o'clock. Okay. If I play a 6.30 game and get done at 8.30, I can make it back to Louisville, Columbus, Houston, places like that. I can go to the basketball game, and I can make it back around the bedtime hour if I have kids. Yeah. So, look, if you're from Tupelo. Yeah, I can make it back. You hour drive. It's it just 9.30. Tell the, a little bit. Tell the kids to go to bed in West Point. Okay. Yeah, we'll wake right. you up when we get home. Oh, man. So, real quickly – We've talked a little bit of baseball theory. I do want to get together with Chris Lamonis at some point, talk a little bit about the fall. A lot of young guys to be excited about, a lot of newcomers. We're going to have to reintroduce ourselves. Well, not reintroduce. We're going to have to introduce, introduce. ourselves to a lot of these guys. we got a few guys back, but the lineup will be a lot different. There's plenty of time, though, for that. Basketball, though, is on us. It's real close. Hey, it ain't low now. I mean, we're talking about, like, not this coming Monday, but next Monday, you and I are going to be doing a broadcast. Who we play, Corpus Christi that night, basketball? Yeah. All hey. right, but between now and then, we have one big football game. We'll get back to that next week. Auburn, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with them in Arkansas Saturday morning at 11. we got a lot to break down on that game. That's uh, I hate using phrases like must win, so I'm not going to, but that is an ultra important game. I'll say it. It's a must win. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Hey, how was Bulldog Bash last week? Well, I had no property damage. That's a good so thing. So that's a win for me. Bulldog Bash was last week. They had the surfaces. I talked to a couple of people that came. I was not able to come that night. I was de- I was devastated. I am told that if I were more involved in TikTok, that I would be more in tune with surfaces and their work. Okay. But I'm not. They promote themselves and minute videos is that what you're saying that seems to be the gist of it okay that's the extent of my research on surfaces well hey if you're if you're wondering about coming to start we'll talk about that auburn weekend playing a a night game so you have time to have um, have lunches here in startville catering here in startville for your tailgate and go to startville.org anytime you're coming to campus startville mississippi's college town a lot of great events coming up right before christmas the Christmas Bazaar is coming up, and so you had Pumpkin Palooza, you had the Bulldog Bash, and so many great things going on here in Starkville on Main Street. 
of course, not just on Main Street, but the, it's not going to be long now. We've been talking about this for a couple of years. The new Sportsplex Cornerstone Park going to open up in 2023. Uh, I went out there the other day, drove through. It's going to be fantastic. Turf, infields, and so that's going to really benefit uh, from a weather standpoint. This is kind of going to be the mecca if you want to bring travel ball teams in, Starkville is going to be one of those great places in East Central Mississippi that you can draw from West Alabama to Jackson to the Delta to North Mississippi, and it's going to be a great place, Cornerstone Park. All right, Charlie. Yeah, we talked a little bit about football. Not much about it. Not much about our football, but basketball, a little bit of baseball. Hey, fun show today here in the uh, off week. I'd like to have Jeff Goodman on again. Yeah, he was good. That guy knows some basketball. Yeah, he was. He was. And Jeff was great. He's been great to deal with and great to work with. And so, hey, appreciate you guys joining us. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus, five locations now. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing just can't beat Country Pleasing, a Mississippi-made product. Startville, Mississippi's college town. And our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.